Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. Welcome back to 15 Minute Film Fanatics. You know the drill. If you've listened to the other episodes in this season, you know that we're doing horror movies slash monster movies slash psychological thrillers and uh, arguing about what's what. So this week's pick is 2002's The Ring, directed by Gore Verbinski, who went on to direct Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, I saw The Ring in theaters when the commercials were some of the original uh, audience reaction commercials. Do you remember those? Yes. The way that they would advertise for the movie, because they would have people jumping in the theater and then they would do interviews with people on the way out. Uh, so that was my first experience uh, of the film was being one of those one of those audiences. I have to say that as a scary movie, my overall impression is that the, the movie has gotten less scary with age, uh, but no less charming. I was I was very charmed by this movie watching it over again. And even though I didn't jump scare at anything, I knew almost every single aha moment uh, by heart. Uh, I had fun watching this movie. And I will say for later that uh, for the first time, I also watched the original off of which it was based, uh, 1998 uh, movie called Ringu from Ringu. Japan. Yeah, okay. All right, well, we'll see <laughs> that for the end, I guess, if you want to talk about it at the end. so. My thoughts on seeing this for the first time, which I've only seen uh, recently because of Mike and because of the podcast. Here's a couple of thoughts I had watching it. One was, you know who Newton Minow was, right? You ever hear of Newton Minow? Chairman of the FCC under JFK. He famously called television a vast wasteland. So when I watched the first scene, that's what I thought of. The whole joke, it's like poltergeist. Nothing good comes of watching TV. Nothing good comes of watching TV. So that was kind of funny. It also reminded me of Halloween 3, where the evil witches get pieces of Stonehenge and implant them into kids' masks, and they all watch the same TV show at the same time on Halloween night, and their heads all melt. You're looking like you've never seen Halloween 3. Yeah, that's, that's two more Halloweens than I watched. Okay. Um, the other thing I thought was that it's another movie of ours. It's our third movie with a well. <laughs> what Weird. Is, what uh, is, no, actually, no, it's our fourth movie because we've done True Grit and there's a well in that too. That's so great. it's our fourth well movie. It's also another movie of ours where the protagonist goes to the library and finds everything she needs within 10 minutes. Like I, I go to find a copy of, you know, The Sun Also Rises and it takes a whole afternoon. But um, that was great. But I certainly agree with you that it was charming. It was, um, you, can, you can, people can roll their eyes at this the whole time, but certainly it's a lot of fun going through. I don't know if the, um, if the, if the quote unquote solution is as good as getting there. I think I enjoyed the first half much more because I kept thinking like, where's this going? Like, how do they, how do they write themselves out of this? And then you get the answer in about six reveals in a row. I could talk about it later on, but certainly it was satisfying. And, and uh, we'll talk about the ending certainly when we get to that. One thing that I found is funny, uh... So watching Ringu, they have the same scenes where characters discover things. Um, but the difference, of course, is that I cannot read Japanese. And so I can't read over the character's shoulder. So they would be scrolling through newspaper, like three teenagers found dead in car. And you know, her, the, the character's finger would stop scrolling at a certain portion of the newspaper that looked like the rest of it. And I was like, all right, I'll take your word for it. I guess so. Right. Um, so, that, so that pointed out to me the hokiness of characters reading things in sure. a way that reading over a character, fake text over a character's shoulder does not. Um, but yeah, there, the washed out look is, it's very David Fincher, you know, it's, it's and, and this, you have to realize how close in time this was made to seven, you know, it's only like yes. six or seven years after, um, after seven, you know, it's, this is like a washed out blue versus a washed out yellow. Yep. Um, but I, I like the look and the feel of the movie still. I thought the performances were really good. And so there are not the dramatic moments. It's very, it's very difficult to have um, lengthy plot reveals 
uh, be convincing uh, as character moments so yeah. that you know, I don't judge someone like Naomi Watts based on that. Uh, but I thought that uh, the people in the movie were actually scared. Okay, well, that's one of our litmus tests, all right? So let's go to talk about our favorite moments. Okay. So in part two, we obviously talked about our favorite moments. Dan, what was your favorite moment slash scariest moment? Well, I didn't think that, I wasn't really in my scariest moment and I fell for all the jump scares, I will freely admit. But I think that the moment that represented what it was like to watch the film as a whole was when her ex-husband breaks into the Hall of Records, or not the Hall of Records, but the, the, the um, asylum's records. He tricks the guy. Everyone knows they're in the basement. That's like, you know, Sam Spade. And he gets the crowbar and goes down there and he's going through everything and we get the whole backstory of each image. And it struck me as, you know, that's right out of every, every you know, roving reporter movie from, from the 40s and the 50s we've seen, which is fine. But it reminds me of how much, especially in the second half, this movie is the opposite of the movie we did before this, which was The Haunting. So The Haunting is a lot of scare and a lot of tension based upon very, very few pieces of information. But when you get to the second half of the movie, and spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, I mean, you have to do you have to do a lot of math after the movie's over, and it's fine just to figure out like, okay, how to get on how to get on the videotape. So you start to you start to really put it together, and you're like, all right, look. So the kid, you know, can project images onto paper, and then she never sleeps. So she drove the horses crazy. So then she gets thrown in the well, and they build a cabin over the well. So she projects images out of the well onto the videotape of the game that the high school kids wanted to watch. And you're like, so it's more complicated than Chinatown. And so he's like Jake Giddies and at the end going through all the information. And um, I didn't roll my eyes at any of it, but it's funny that it was more of a mystery than it was a horror movie. And it also made me realize that, you know, this is based upon a novel. And I think in the, when you have the span of a novel, you have time to let that stuff percolate and sink in. But when you have two hours, you got to give a lot of information out. 100% there, there's a very literary structure to all this, which is why I like it. And I think that's why I still find, the, I think charming is the right, it's my word, but I think it's the right it's word for the movie. And that the movie leads you along like a movie should. You come in at the right spot, you get out at the right spot. We'll talk about the ending um, at the end. However, my moments though are, are good filmic moments. They're things that don't really translate that well from a novelization and I've re not read the novelization. Yeah. So the first one is I don't find anything scary up until the moment where um, Naomi Watts' character's sister um, says that she found her daughter mm -hmm. and they, it flashes just for one yeah. second. To the, to the image, in the, that's the first moment where you're like, wow, this movie just showed me something I wish I had never seen. And I, I saw that for the first time, I guess like 18, 19 years ago. And I, re, like, I remember. Yeah. So and then that, you don't get to see his face right away. You have to wait, yeah. you, have to get, you have to wait to see that. Okay, so I, I thought that was good. And then um, pulling the hair out of, uh, yeah. pulling the hair out of the mouth. Well, it was, the wire. Like, it was the wire from the hospital. It wasn't yeah, hair, it was wire. Um, it's just just good stuff but that yeah. that face that face i think captures the actual look of the movie yeah um and uh is it's terrifying in terms of it's funny we said about in terms of novels i think something that works better on film than would in a novel is the scene where the horse escapes because i think that's the most thrilling scene in the film and in a novel it's very hard to make that exciting it's like every time you read about a fist fight in a novel it goes on you have the picture where everybody's person is but when you could see it it's much different and i think that scene with the with the horse going crazy and you're not really 100% sure why was really really compelling did you think that the tape was scary at all i thought the tape was creepy but as the movie went on i thought to myself 
we're gonna find out what the ladder is and what the mirror is and what the like and we did so once I knew that there was going to be an answer key provided, it got less creepy. But if I yeah. put on a videotape that I like, you know, that had no sticker on it, and that was on it, yeah, I'd be under the under the bed. It seems crazy to me that and and but such beautiful instincts. So the the tape very closely resembles the tape uh, from the Japanese version of the movie. Does it? Uh, is that there's there's a lot of crazy things in in jump scares that the that the tape could do, but there's no jump scares in the tape at all. Yeah. It's very a uh, Dada art. It's like something that you'd see in an installation at MoMA, totally. but it's totally. just very, it's a very disconcerting montage of images. And like we've talked about in the podcast before, the scariest thing about it is that you have no idea where you are, what's happening. You can't make things fit, and therefore you cannot predict what image is next. And that's where the tension comes from. Right. For me, the scariest part of the movie has always been the tape. Yeah, and of course the tension also also comes from the whole premise before you watch it is, okay, you can watch a video cassette and then you get a phone call and it says you're gonna die in seven days. Now that, uh, on paper, that seems absolutely ludicrous, but you know, kudos to the, to the director to, for making it work because it does work once you get it done. I mean, you really have to like, uh, like again, if a killer shark is gonna uh, hurt people at Amity Island, okay, that's fine. They, there's an alien that pops out of your stomach, okay, that's fine. The devil possesses a young girl, that's fine. There's a VHS tape, and if you adjust the tracking, you can see a lighthouse. Like what? But it actually works. Yeah. How much better is this movie after uh, after the age of DVD? Yeah. You, no one knows what tracking is anymore. <laughs> All right. I'll see you in part three. Right, let's talk about the ending. We're going to pause here because we just want to tell you something. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. The first point is it's free. Yeah. Second, they have all the tools that you need to create, record, and edit your podcast right on your phone or your laptop. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other places. You pick up sponsorships, you can make money from your podcast, and there's no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Always be closing, Mike. Always be closing. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, part three, talking about the ending or big takeaways. Uh, I thought that there's a really nice reversal in this movie, meaning, you know, we've talked about the distinction between horror movies and monster movies. Monster movies where um, horror movie, it comes for you monster movie, you know, you go after it and sort of a lot of movies transition between the two, um, which is sort of the structure of this movie, right? She's she's coming for you, you don't know why, she's killed a member of her family, threatening her. Um, and But at the moment when it threatens her kid, when Aiden watches the tape, it becomes totally different. It be, you know, it yeah, becomes it a monster through, movie because yeah. you have to go, uh, you, got, you got to save the kid. So uh, I thought that there was a really nice reversal at the end of this movie, obviously, which is that you think that she's released the tension. They found the body. This is not a secret anymore. There's no reason to be angry. Um, and then the, um, the ex-husband is alone in his apartment and she comes after him and she rips his face off or whatever it is that she does to people. Right. Were you surprised well, by that at all or did you no, think- No, I wasn't because was when she took the shower and she was cleansing herself and the movie's over and you're supposed to, I, I thought to myself, there's, there's gotta be another 10 minutes in this movie. I, I wouldn't look at the clock, but I'm like, this is classic like fake ending. And, uh, and it was fine. And actually I was glad it was a fake ending because if it was, if it was just like, she, Samara just wanted to be heard. I'd be like, oh, come on. So my thing about the ending was, I, you know, this also reminded me of what I think is the best Twilight Zone episode by a mile. The single best episode of the Twilight Zone, 1961, the one called It's a Good Life. I don't know if you know this one. This is the one about the kid who's so spilled rotten because the kid has psychic powers 
and he could turn anyone to a jack-in-the-box and 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 all the, the family members are terrified of him well this is everybody's homework tonight is you have to go watch this it's the single best episode ever it's about a dangerous kid with with um uh you know um psychic powers so it reminded me of that in a way that you know when she comes back out of the tv and she, she wants to get revenge for being thrown into the well but it also reminded me of it, the very very ending when she has her son make the copy it was like you were watching the birth of an urban legend because in the beginning the joke is that you know katie thinks oh it's just an urban legend if you watch this thing and i thought and i started thinking to myself and i had to research this do you remember a couple of years ago maybe it was two years ago maybe three or four do you remember there was that story about that thing called the momo challenge where these little kids were told not to watch this thing on youtube do you remember this did you know about no. this there was a thing called the Momo Challenge, because it's funny you said Momo, I thought of the Momo Challenge, and I had to look it up. And it was an idea where, if you Google it, you'll see this ghastly image of this woman with like giant bug eyes and like a bird beak almost. And the idea was that um, kids are watching this and she's making them do things that get in, in, uh, incrementally more dangerous. And then eventually she'll convince your kids that they should kill themselves. Now it turned out that, that this was a total hoax no one had ever died because of this. It was a big, big thing. But it was really interesting. I think the end of this movie was the birth of an urban legend. But then it hit me. Well, actually, it's not a legend because the tape will kill you in the world of the movie if you watch it. Well, yeah. I, the other uh, moral here is, you know, if your uh, child starts to manifest disturbing uh, psychic powers, don't drown her. Probably, you know, there's a couple of different answers to that, but drowning, it, that drowning's out. Yeah, if she never sleeps and could have the entire island at her at her fingertips, yeah, don't don't throw it well. She'll figure it out. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. Oh, Mike, one more question. One more question. So, is the original Ringu is it scarier? Is it different? How did what's the difference? Oh, uh, well. So it's scarier up to a point. So it has the exact same um, jump scares and the same structure. Meaning, the original Japanese version is very. Um, cheeky like it, it's a little bit cornier and i didn't think it would be scary but there's the same jump scare in it where the mom says i i found her upstairs and you think that that's just a, a heartfelt moment but then it, it cuts to the picture of the like the no eyes so a lot of the things that work in this movie are taken directly from the japanese version including like i said the videotape um and also a, a couple of things are done better uh for example um the the dad the um the ex-husband who's Aiden's father uh, is you know like kind of straight out of central casting <laughs> whereas the um he's like a he's kind of like a dirty half professor half graduate student in oh. the original so the scene where he sees his son he meets his son in a rainstorm and they're yeah. both under an umbrella and they pause um and then the kid walks the kid walks past him uh is really brilliant um, it's brilliantly done, the Japanese version, because for a second you have no idea what's going to happen. You, yeah. you, does, it, like, does it end the same way? Uh, yeah, it, it, it yeah. roughly, you know, roughly the same way um, with, the, with the stepdad dying. The only difference is in the Japanese version, it's the stepdad who is mildly psychic versus having the kid be mildly psychic, because oh. in the course of their investigation, it's much more useful to have the stepdad be mildly psychic rather than <laughs> sure. the kid. Because like, the kid is, is you know, force sensitive or whatever he's supposed right. to be in the, you know uh in the movie but then he kind of exits the movie he just becomes the the plot MacGuffin, which is that unless you unravel the mystery he'll die which is the stakes are a little bit higher than if she's gonna die right 
I know. I, I don't. I, I don't find his um, alarming maturity uh, uh, creepy or charming. That's that's yeah. part of my my least favorite part. But that is actually well done in the Japanese version because he's a little less snarky, um, and he's um, his being one step ahead of her uh, is uh, it reflects differently on her character than it does in an American version. I'm not necessarily sure why. Yeah, this reminded me how good the kid is who plays Danny in The Shining. Like how much he's like an actual kid. Who, who react to things the way a kid would. This kid's like, it's a conundrum. And you're like, all right, kid. Yeah, I mean, didn't you ever talk to your uh, finger? All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're getting a lot of downloads, a lot of listens. We're really excited about that. Remember, you could also follow us on Twitter at 15MINFilm. Thank you for listening.